Welcome to Smart Casual, Image's fashion podcast dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Image Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Sarah Rickard, fashion stylist and creative consultant. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and who we choose to be. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion. And we love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. So welcome to this week's episode of Smart Casual. First up, some fashion highs. Marie? Um, so, well, I think one, your fashion high is probably also my fashion high, mm-hmm. but I have another fashion high, which I'll talk about first, um, which was meeting and interviewing, I'm probably going to pronounce her name wrong now. Um, Give it a go. Perneal Tazeback. <laughs> is that right? That's how I would Perneal Tazeback, I think. Um, global fashion influencer from Denmark. Uh, she was doing a Q&A at Brian Thomas last night with uh, Louise Duffy. And I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to privately interview her beforehand. Um, and she was, she was lovely. Uh, it was really interesting because she's, I guess, the only global influencer that mm. I've ever met. Mm. Um, and it... She did really make me think that they're another level. There's a reason. There's yeah. a reason. They, like she was on another level. Uh, when I walked into the room, I mean, she really was stunningly beautiful. Mm. I mean, up close and personal, she was stunningly beautiful. Um, her style was exquisite. Now, of course, she had access to anything she wanted to wear in Brown Thomas, which helps. But she chose, you know, an exquisite suit from the row. Mm. I mean, it was incredible. It, it was just beautiful. But talking to her, she was very relaxed um, very very interesting, knew who she was, yeah, knew what she sure. was trying to do. Yeah. Um, there was business no... Businesswoman. She was a, like a proper She was business a proper woman, businesswoman, yeah. um, but very um, sure of herself, but not in an arrogant way. Yeah. Very likeable, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I thought when she was doing the, the Q&A with uh, Louise Duffy, and um, obviously they showcased some looks that uh, Perneal had, had chosen, which were incredibly aspirational Divine. and, you know, very, very beautiful. But she was so articulate about those looks. She knew exactly why she'd chosen them, yeah. um, why they worked. And I thought she spoke so, so well you know, from a from a purely fashion styling point of view. Yeah, you, you could tell you, you could she tell, knew her absolutely. shit. And you, you know, time. you could tell yeah. that she had been a stylist, that she'd worked yeah. on a fashion magazine. She really, she just had such a nuanced kind of understanding of clothes. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really interesting to meet someone at that level in that, because, you know, we use the word influencer mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and it was really interesting. In to, the true, in the kind true of the tastemaker, you know, that kind of Absolutely, the yeah. tastemaker, the pioneer. Yes, um, yeah. And, I can understand why she has 707,000 yeah, followers incredible. now. Did you um, see her bling? Oh, I did see her bling. I mean, it was, oh, it was fabulous. Oh, my God. It was, I mean, I don't know Love if they the were, charts. were they hers or did she borrow them for the evening? Oh, I don't know. I actually don't know, but yeah. I And the I necklace as well, beautiful hers, yeah. rings and a stunning <gasps> necklace. Um, but everything, her whole look was just curated Even her ponytail with the several yeah. bobbins. Yeah. Like I know, I, mean, I know. I mean, think to do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that extra layer yeah. of gloss. Of gloss. Yeah. And I mean, her, her, you know, big brown eyes and mm. her, beautiful red lips and I mean she you know she really was um, on another level and it, it does make you you think you know that actually these these people who you know we see in kind of street style you know images and we think yeah yeah you know whatever like great outfit you know vacuous what, kind yeah, of but, yeah. but no, no she's there's yeah. nothing vacuous no. about this woman yeah, smart girl um, smart girl and 
uh, at the end, we went up to her and got our photo taken with her. And we did. she commented that her interview with Marie was one of the best interviews she'd ever had. And she thought that Marie was an excellent interviewer. And she said, I've had a lot of interviews. I mean it. That was, it was so nice. Oh, so that was just the loveliest. Was. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. <laughs> that was very sweet of her. Very, very sweet of her. What the hell um, did you say? Because, I mean, two minutes beforehand, you were like, oh. What am I going to say? <laughs> it was just turned it on she, for well, Pernille. But, you know, it's it's kind of, it's easy to interview yeah. a woman like that because. Who's so sure it, of her, who knows yeah, herself. Yeah, and, you know, because we like to talk about fashion. That's, you know, so yeah. I think. I think, you know, I go in... Expert to expert. Well, I, can't, I, I go in quite re- quite relaxed, I think. And yeah. just, I think what she liked was that it was very much a chat and a conversation. So I wasn't firing questions at her. Like we were, we were just chatting mm. about elements of her. Engaging. Yeah. So no, that, that was like an incredibly, you know, nice thing for her to say. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's like my new favourite person. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. She was lovely. She was so chilled and I love that she's a mum of two and yeah. yeah, I can't say I looked like that when my kids were as young <laughs> or ever but uh, yeah, she's she's doing really, really well for herself and deservedly so. After yeah. Like you, I wouldn't really... You know, you don't know how to really rate them or what their background yeah. is or whatever, but she does seem to be kind of one of the the true tastemakers. Authentic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a ridiculously fashionable week. As, we did. As the fashion couple that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we were also invited to the preview of the Gian Battista Valley for H&M well events uh, that took place in Carton House on Tuesday night. And when I got this invite into my email, it was a couldn't type fast enough. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, everything about it from being picked up in a car uh, outside my house to uh, the amazing, beautiful drawing room in Carton House that was decked out with the most incredible, opulent table setting and flower pieces by uh, Frog Prince. Sharon at Frog Prince really just excelled herself. It was exquisite. It was stunning. Um, the the baby pink and black com- colour combination just was so gorgeous. Obviously, the collection itself was stunning and in such a unique setting, you know, with all the beautiful paintings and the, you know, the opulent plaster work. It kind of needed that yeah, setting, yeah, didn't it? It really kind of... Brought it to life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I suppose from the actual collection, um, like beautiful, beautiful pieces. And as I said to you on the night, my my 20-something-year-old self would have been all over those party dresses. Um, My (laughs) 30-something-year-old self is kind of, was kind of more... Leaning towards the uh, the sweatshirts and the cardigan, yeah, the, cardigan. <laughs> the jewel encrusted cardigan was that incredible, was absolutely incredible. Um, the shoes and boots were fab, and yes, big thank you to Natalie and Hannah in H and M for spoiling us rotten. Yeah, it was it was just I mean it was like you you just have those moments where you think I have the best job in yeah, the world, totally. You know, and it yeah. was one of those evenings. Yeah, mm, hashtag fantastic. perks of the job, mm. definitely. Um, so today our topic we're going to speak about something a little bit more serious Um, we are after my interview with Sarah Murphy which is coming up afterwards um, a few things came up and I thought it was just really interesting and maybe the right time to bring up mental health and kind of fashion and how we've used fashion to kind of help us get through those tough times or whatever Um, one thing that Sarah said to me was she unfortunately she's an incredible um, 
contemporary designer, designer yeah. Irish women's wear designer. But she has suffered with anorexia for, she suffered for about 15 years. She was in and out of hospital for 15 years. Wow. And she really obviously struggled massively with it. But she did say that kind of a form of escapism when she was in the hospital was sketching because she said there's only so much daytime TV that you could watch, you know, and uh, like horrendously girls were actually dying around her. They were really, really unwell. Um, but she she said that she would use sketching as, as a form of escape and she would just sketch the nurses or she'd start sketching kind of fashion sketches. And incredibly, and I do mean incredibly, she has made that now her career, you know. That's incredible. And how amazing that she used that time to cultivate something so positive. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine what, what that would have been like. Yeah. But um, she's in, an incredible designer, like you say. And to think that she was in that kind of scenario once is kind of hard to imagine mm-hmm. because she's Definitely. so creative yeah. and, you know, is is becoming so successful and and I guess it's all come from kind of quite a dark yeah. place in some yeah. respects. Absolutely. Which is, um, yeah. I know. Sad. I know it is, absolutely. And I suppose, um, like, I have suffered with mental health from a young age, kind of just generalised anxiety disorder. But there's been times in my life, and I suppose, you know, my mum would have kind of struggled to find things to kind of boost my mood mm. sometimes. But obviously fashion was one thing and shopping was one thing that she knew I absolutely loved, you know, and that would always cheer me up. So from a young age, that became a big part of my life, yeah. you know. And um, I suppose as well, being quite a worrier when I was growing up, the one thing that I was never shy about was my fashion choices so if people would comment on my clothes I would take that you know it wasn't I wouldn't dismiss it like I would everything else or I wouldn't you know yeah it was something that I really believed in because I did have the self-belief in Mm. what, what I was picking and my style and stuff so definitely fashion has helped me that was kind of a support Absolutely. Or a confidence booster, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, those, those com- like, it was kind of something people couldn't really deny me, you yes. know? Yeah. And th- they could deny me a lot. You know, I went to a, a Catholic school for however many years, from the age of five to 18, actually four. And, you know, there was a lot of girls saying yeah. nasty things, but that was the one thing that they couldn't deny, was that mm. I... You had, always had that. Yeah, mm. kind of style. But... Um, and then obviously getting into styling, you know, it, it was obviously a bit of a dream come true because I've always used fashion as a kind of form of escape. And that's why I love my shoots being, you know, that little bit more theatrical and more dramatic because it is a little kind of fantasy that I've and always And I guess that's why, of. you know, I was... I was so drawn to your work before I ever knew you was because I felt that you were doing something that nobody else was doing, which was creating these incredible, almost wonderlands. Mm. And you always created a scene and you were amazing at using props, um, which nobody else was really doing. Mm. Well, and to be fair, Catherine Condell has, has done mm. that on and off through the mm. years beautifully. But, but at the time, I just felt like nobody else was doing that. And you were just creating these incredible scenes that, you know, I was only seeing in like Harper's and Vogue at the time and not in Irish magazines. And I guess that's kind of why I was so drawn to your mm. work because of that kind of fantastical yeah. dreamy element you yeah. brought yeah well uh, thank you um, it was never easy because it was <laughs> always very tight budget but I suppose it was it was always such a thrill then to be able to execute something you know that you had kind of 
you know, dreamt of and you're you're like, okay, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to do this. And then to see it come to life was always like the most thrilling, thrilling part of it. But kind of from a, a personal point of view then, I would have like leaving styling and getting into fashion buying and then going off to have my kids. I, I suffered with pre and postpartum depression on my second child so I would have lost a lot like I lost a lot of confidence in myself so I, I did find that I kind of could only manage to put on jeans and you know a sweater every day actually today is kind of what I would have worn I know like, but you're not just wearing jeans and a sweater uh, you're wearing them so so well I mean <laughs> but I definitely struggled to find myself again after having the kids. Isn't that interesting though? I find, because I had a similar, well, I mean, a similar experience insofar as um, I lost my, I lost who I was in terms of my my sense of style when I was in an incredibly negative work situation um, some years ago and it was the most negative scenario I've ever been in in terms of work in my career and and I lost my personal style completely and I think in hindsight, you know, looking back, I think I was sort of on a level trying to make myself invisible Mm -hmm. because you know, the reaction to me was so negative in this space. And I thought if if I just, if I'm not noticeable, yeah. you know, in, in, in and because I was like you, I guess I was always noted for my style. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing that I kind of yeah. knew I was better at probably than most people that I was, you know, surrounded by. And, and you know, I didn't realise I was doing that at the time. But in hindsight, yes, I was just kind of retreating. Um, But that's a very dangerous thing to do because it's very hard to come back from that. Mm -hmm. And I know we've had this conversation ourselves in in private before. And and I was telling you that at this time I have a a gorgeous um, faux fur gilet that I wear a lot, very 70s, which I love. And through this period, I would never have put that on. It's crazy. Never. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at it in my wardrobe and thinking, who did I think I was buying that? And feeling so sad when I looked at it because kind of, you know, almost trying to remember who that person was. And it was it, it wasn't a terribly long period mm. that I I was I in know, this situation, but, just like but that, it, you can it, yeah, it felt rock bottom, felt yeah. a lot longer than it was. And yeah, feeling so sad when I looked at it because I, I you know I was just wearing a whole lot of nothing at the time, mm. you know, just 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 trying to with you know withdraw and retreat and, yeah, and not keep be your head noticeable. Down. Yeah, but it takes a long time yeah, to, to come back, back from Absolutely. that. Absolutely, um, that is the hardest part and. It, like I found it incredibly frustrating because I was at home with my kids and I really I needed a creative outlet and it just wasn't happening it wasn't happening fast enough you know like I fell pregnant with Harry kind of by accident it was it was quicker than we mm. had thought like obviously he's the best thing in the world but at the time I was just trying to find my feet again as a yeah. stylist and I was really sick through the pregnancy and as much as I wanted to to get back into it I knew I'd only be dipping my toe and then I'd have to come out of it again and I, I was in a lot of physical pain you know it so really tough. it was really really tough but yeah. then I felt I just felt I saw the days gone by as like literally I was missing chances yeah. I was oh, that's I so was sad. getting more like less and less uh, relevant you know and yeah. it's so tough and I just to any like mums out there or to anyone who's going through a tough time in work or whatever like this too shall pass. I know it's mm. it's really overused, but it's so true. Like I remember, so then when I did eventually kind of get the courage to to style and my first shoot for image, which was to say nerve wracking is, yeah, a major understatement. I was like a basket case. But anyway, we got through it and it was a lovely shoot. It was um, amazing. 
and then we did another shoot which which was still one of our favourites the, the white shirt yeah the shirt story and that was much more comfortable because I was back in Barry's studio where I had been yeah. literally every week up until 2012 you know that was my second home um, Barry was shooting it obviously I know Barry Barry McCall for years I had a you know, a team that I was really comfortable with. My, We, you know, we got on. Yeah. Um, but I remember because for shoots, obviously with things like earrings, you can't, they can't go back to the shop. So mm. I had to buy the earrings. But there were these amazing big circle earrings um, that I used on the model. And I think you or my assistant at the, on the day was like, but sure, you'll definitely wear those again. And I remember thinking, yeah, right. Like, I have no reason to wear I am literally retreating into my cave after this, you know. Yeah. Now I wear them. Yes, they're like, amazing on you. Every other day. I yeah. don't even think about putting them on. You know, I put them on with anything. But it's just, I know that sounds like such a silly example. No, it's but exactly I think, like the Gilles yeah, scenario. Exactly. It's, it's like, just something that used to define you yeah. um, or used to make you feel wonderful it just becomes a scary thing or something. But that it you, can go the other way yeah. as well, you know, and that's what was so brilliant about talking to Sarah Murphy. She is a survivor. She's yeah. through that. She's talking from a place that she said she she's literally feels like she's talking about another person. Oh, that's so incredible. how amazing to listen to yeah. someone that's that's through it. Mm. That's a, a success story it's and incredible. is living her best life. But isn't you know? it incredible? Because we talk an awful lot on the podcast about how fashion is your armour and, mm. and it's your strength. But it, it can, can also, yeah. it can just flip like that, yeah. you know. And and I, I think sometimes probably, you know, women who are going through tough times are probably listening, going, and maybe finding it hard to identify with that, mm. that idea that, you know what, just put on your best outfit mm. and get out there. Yeah, exactly. And, and it'll so all be okay. from that. Because, and I, I get that because I've been there mm. where, so have I. you yeah. know, I looked like shit basically mm. um, didn't know who I was and um, lost and, and you know was never out in the evenings like there was, wasn't going to anything um, mm. just absolutely oh my god petrified retreating to be seen from the world or noticed yeah, yeah. yeah. like so, dyed the hair brown you know like yeah. the works just yeah, yeah didn't just, just almost wanting to disappear yeah. and it, it is incredible how anxiety can just grab hold of you and yeah, just, I don't know, kind of make you disappear in a way. Yeah, but I know? remember as well when I was starting to have more meetings and stuff and, you know, I was trying to get things back on track. Now, ha- having said that, like, Harry was about five months old. Like, I really didn't give myself time. No, and I remember didn't. bumping into Rebecca Morgan in at the opening of And Other Stories. And I said to her, oh, yeah, I'm getting it. And, like, I, and I was one of those where I was petrified. I didn't want anyone to see me, but I could not not go to the opening yes. of And Other Stories. <laughs> like, literally, I was carted in. Like, back in All your fashion mess. dreams Yeah, true, exactly. Like. So I was like a shaking mess, but I was like, okay, just do it, Sarah, and did it and bumped into Rebecca Morgan. And I said, oh, yeah, and I'm, you know, getting back into styling. And she said, don't rush. Don't put yourself under that pressure. And she was so yeah. right. She really was. Mm. Um, but the other thing was she commented on the coat that I was wearing, which was, and I was talked about this on my try on Tuesday, when I was starting to have more meetings and kind of, get, you know, decided that I wanted to get back into styling, I went shopping with my mum and she bought me an amazing Italian wool coat by Harris Wharf, the brand oh, that was in gorgeous. BT2. And so I started wearing my blue coat. So even if I was wearing you know, jeans and a sweatshirt. If I put on my blue coat, I kind of was like, yeah. okay, I'm, I you know this is something. You tentatively started to yeah, step exactly, outside of, exactly. of and comfort zone. You would always comment on it and I'd always be like, oh, no, like I didn't want the compliment. Yes, I wasn't ready, ready for it, you yeah. know. 
But it is a great coat. It's, it's amazing. Coat. And it was something that my mum was trying to do to show that she was supporting me. And, you know, she had oh, my back. So like, lovely, isn't it? So it is. It's like, obviously, my favourite. That and my Sarah Murphy uh, sweater, sweater are my two favourite things in my wardrobe, oh, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. That they're pretty precious, yeah, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'm really looking forward to um, hearing the interview, though. Yeah. And also, just as a side, mm-hmm. you, you're also a, a big reason that I'm still doing or I got back into it. So oh. thank you. Thank you for well, uh, letting me flourish that's because you're amazing (laughs) (laughs) sorry loving it may be Halloween but at Kildare Village they're already getting into the Christmas spirit with their Enchanted Lights show launching November 1st and taking place every day from 4pm during the festive season with interactive colour lights and sounds it's the perfect way to start making Christmas memories this year I am absolutely delighted to welcome contemporary women's wear designer Sarah Murphy to this week's episode of Smart Casual. Uh, Sarah, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, you kind of came to my attention not so long ago. You're, you kind of shot to success very quickly. Um, what, when did you get into design or at what age? Did you go back as a mature student? or? So I went back as a mature student. I didn't do art in school. I might have got kicked out of my art class and then went on to do, but I wasn't really, I wasn't even interested in it. And I went on to do then a degree in physics and applied mathematics in UCD. Um, I didn't actually, I didn't end up finishing that degree. Um, But then I went on after that to do a degree in fashion out in Griffith College. Okay. And has fashion always been something that you wanted to get into or... How did that come about? You know, how do you go from applied mathematics to fashion? So it wasn't really on my radar at all. And then I was very sick when I left UCD. And then I, when I was in hospital, I used to just draw all the time because I was in bed for like months on end. Mm. So I still, I still have like books and books full. I used to draw like the nurses. And I'd draw the oh other patients. And I just, there's only so much daytime TV you can watch. Yeah, and yeah. all the old ladies that have like loose women on. <laughs> I was like, I can't even cope with this. <laughs> So I used to draw tons and that's, I suppose that's where it started then. And then when I was well enough, then I went back to college. Wow. So you were kicked out of art, but yeah. you could obviously draw. I think I could, she told me I couldn't draw. So she, it wasn't that I, mm. like I wasn't bold-ish, <laughs> <laughs> but she kicked me out. She was like, you just, you can't draw like this isn't for you. Just leave, go pick a different subject. Um, so I went and I did home ec because I was like, oh, well, like you can eat what you cook and home act like yeah. that'll be grand um, but yeah I think I was just I maybe saw things differently to other people like it was like fine art is very much just like you just copy what you can see yeah and I yeah. wasn't into that yeah. and so everyone else would be drawing like a vase of beautiful flowers and I'm drawing something completely different she's like that's not the task and yes it's that, not within yeah, the it's parameters not in the little bubble of, yeah. like yeah and so I think that was more the issue she had that I just wasn't on the same track as everyone else okay. in the class. Yeah, you, she couldn't tick the boxes. Yeah, of mm. like, oh, you've completed task A and task B because yeah. I was off doing something completely different. In your own little yeah. head. Yeah. And tell me, so you went back to Griffith as a mature student and how did you find that? Did You, you, you did pure fashion design. Yeah, I did. So before I went to Griffith, I did a PLC course in actually near enough to here in Sally Noggin. So I did, it was, um, it was a fashion PLC course. It was two years. They were very into like sewing and pattern drafting the more mm. technical end mm-hmm. of things as opposed to the kind of art college things. Amazing. So then when I finished there, 
I got an advanced entry place into Griffith. So I didn't have to do the first year of the degree. So I did my honours degree in two years, um, which was good because mm. I kind of speeded along. So I was a little bit like, what can I do next? What can I do next? Like, um, But yeah, it was brilliant. They did parts of it were business related which I think I didn't appreciate at the time but yeah. I probably do now yeah. <laughs> yeah you never do yeah no, it's only yeah. when you're in practical you know you can apply it practically that you're like oh I should have yeah, paid, paid attention, attention. Yeah. yeah I should have not been asleep <laughs> in my marketing class like um, but yeah it was it was really good and I, so you completed your course in Griffith and then you were you went on to intern then or yeah so when I finished Griffith I think about a week later, I went to work with Helen Cody for, I guess, about six months-ish. Um, We've had Helen on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> she can chat for Ireland. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was, I learned loads there. And it's quite, it's quite a small studio space. So you get to do everything rather than being in a big company where sometimes you can just be left on a computer yeah. and you're not really learning anything then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned, yeah, I learned a lot when I was there. And it was in kind of the run up to one of our shows. So everything was mad so you really got to do a lot because there was a lot to do at the time Amazing Um, Yes that was I definitely did yeah I think I loved she has quite a love for like handcraft work and so I think that's where my love of like getting to bead for hours and hours on end came from and I could see that that could still be commercial Yes without having to make in a factory kind of thing Yeah Yeah Yeah. So and then you kind of did your own thing so you're kind of more knitwear does so that- when I left, I was knitwear. So my yeah. graduate collection was like, I'd say 80% knitwear. Um, and then I kind of, I do still do some knitwear, mostly hand knits um, rather than machine knits. Um, and kind of, I really into Aran knitwear. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I was with Helen, I did a small amount of knitwear for her um, as well for that collection. But yeah, I kind of... I sit somewhere between the two. Like I wouldn't slot myself in knitwear and I wouldn't slot myself in occasion wear. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of a mismatch between the two. Like No, there isn't because it works so beautifully together. It's just a fresher way to look at knitwear that it doesn't have to be day wear. Yeah. You know, and that's, I suppose, what I love about your designs. It's that kind of juxtaposition between um, textures and fabric and layering. You yeah. know, that's so cool and so... So much fresher, I suppose. So then you you went on. You were snapped up then by Create. Yeah, tell yeah, me that about that. Yeah, that was really quick. I think I had. I don't think I had. I even finished with Helen when they were talking. I just got a random email being like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to bring in your autumn winter collection to show um, to Shelley?" And I was kind of like, I panicked because then I thought, I was like, I'm not. I'm not really ready for that like am I set up to do that I didn't know what I was doing um, but yeah I ended up I went in and I talked to them and she, obviously she liked it because she put it in Create that was the first year I did it um, So that was what 2017? Yeah Wow So um, you're out of college 2016 I'm out yeah I was out what was I I was out the summer 2016 worked for Helen the email came Christmas 2016 to go in in I think the February with the collection unbelievable so at about like two months to throw something so how did you find that experience being in Create with all these with a mix of established designers new up and coming all Irish designers like for someone who kind of I suppose a lot of them that show there they would have been trying to get into that for years and whatever and you're just fresh out of college you don't really know anyone on the scene and there you are smack bang in the middle Um, it was I'd say it was a baptism of fire. Yeah. Like it was really, really good. It scared the crap out of me as well. Um, I just, I think the main fear is that 
if you do it and you're not ready, then that's it. You've kind of burnt your bridges. So it was it was scary in that way, but it was definitely well worth it was well worth doing. Um, but yeah, I learned I learned so much just from being on the shop floor mm. and talking to customers and seeing people's reactions and what they would gravitate towards first on a rail. Um, so yeah, it was a very it's I, in, in va- valuable stuff there. You know, like that's yeah. to who gets that opportunity with their first collection before it even, you know, goes on sale to see people's reactions that way. Or, yeah, you know, like you could spend millions on a marketing survey totally. and you wouldn't get that redirect feedback. feedback. Um, and they can be very honest sometimes. But it's it's what you need to hear before you move on. Mm. And especially before you invest into larger collections it's yeah. good to hear and is was everything your whole collection was designed and made by you like how many pieces were there that first the first collection for Brent Thomas yeah I did I mean I did I didn't have time to even get someone in because mm-hmm. it was over the Christmas and so I just had had enough time to get fabric like God um, but I think there were were there 40 pieces for the first collection and then I added as things if things sell I added and I added then when I went on to other stockists afterwards um, but you have that time because once it's launched and create then you have that kind of a window yeah. there to yeah and so it was a mix of knitwear beaded knitwear fabric wise like that collection that collection was it was all inspired by the fae in like they're like the fairies in Irish mythology okay, and yeah. kind of the forest. And so what did I have? That was the first collection I'm trying to remember. I had oh, I had big like tall ball game, mm-hmm. like a jumper kind of panel of yep. iron knitted into the front. Yep, I remember. Which it. was my mad. That was the piece that I was like, that'll never sell. And it was like one of the first things that's old, <laughs> which I, I was surprised at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had a lot. There was a lot of knitwear, a lot of knitted. I knit and bond fabric to make coats so that it turns the knit more into a fabric beautiful probably getting way too technical yeah, no, now but that is fab <laughs> like the inner construction no it is interesting and it's really interesting and then from create then you were you then were stocked in Havana was it or I was yeah it was straight I think it was once I yeah once I finished it was nearly straight in then about two weeks later straight into Havana then and I've been there ever since they're amazing with me incredible um, and I also saw your Stockton Clue as well. Yeah, I went down to Clue the year the year after. Yeah, yeah, the year after. Okay, so you're saying there that like how amazing it was to be in Create and and get that kind of immediate feedback, and then you could actually make more. Depend like I suppose that's that's what we're like. That's where the industry is going with kind of the sustainability, like. That's yeah. There's no point in the having a ton, tons yeah. and tons of stock. Like Burberry, where they're burning their stuff. Yeah, like that's, that's ridiculous, disgusting. Um, yeah. So I'd much rather respond to customers and as something's going and I know it's going have well, do more time. rather yeah. than just have a, a studio full of stuff mm. that isn't going to go anywhere after like the season's so short, the sales are so long. Yeah. What's what's the point in that? Yeah. So would a lot of your stuff be commissions? Then is that how you work it? So I have. I'll have like. A regular line collection and then if people people tend to come to me then for custom versions of that okay so if they've seen if they've gone into a van and they've seen like a black lace dress and they know I've done the skirt and the red fabric they might want the dress and the red fabric instead and they'll come to me for things like that or and then I'll get totally mad custom orders but they're usually for like awards or events and stuff mm-hmm. like that okay 
And you're not the easiest girl to find. No, I live <laughs> in a cave. Like, I'm quite happy that way. Yeah. I know, I think everyone thinks I'm mad and like, why aren't you everywhere? But I just, it's just not me. And I'm not going to force myself to just do it if I don't want. If I, It's not something that sits naturally with me. Yeah, well, that was definitely something that drew me to you. Like, you, you're quite self-effacing and I... I respect that so much that you let your talent speak for itself and you let your clothes speak for themselves and you're not there all singing and dancing. But you are, at the same time, you're quite outspoken in other ways. So maybe not about your fashion, but you do seem to be, you know, you're quite an activist with regards to mental health and climate change. So how do, like, are they your passions, you know? or I suppose, I wouldn't call them, I don't know if they're passions. I think I do have opinions let's mm. say um, but yeah I think just be, being quiet doesn't mean that you don't have a, opinions a yeah and I think I was when I left I said said I left UCD and I was very unwell I was really anorexic for years and that's why I was in hospital so I think I thought do you know at first when I started working in fashion I was like oh well I just I won't really mention that because people people who know me in this life don't know me from then like my friends obviously know Um but I think I thought, I just won't talk about that. And then I got to the point where it's not that you're not talking about it. It's like you're starting to lie about it. And then that's mm. when I was like, oh, that's not really, that's, that's not, not you. me. No. Like, so I was like, I might as well be honest with people. I suppose it was such a large portion of my life as well. It was like six or eight, nearly eight years of oh being God. constantly in hospital. Like, I think I lost count of 15 times. <laughs> I was like, wow. oh, we just stopped counting. But um, But then that's why it's such a hard thing to then, you can't, hide it and then if not talking about it's fine but then when it's really it's just really hard to to cover that up and then you just get into a point where you're like I'm just actually now like lying to hide my tracks for no reason like why why am I bothered doing that well I think it shows that you've come so far as well like that you're you've made peace with with that maybe and you know you're ready to move on if you're you know, if you were still in it, you would be hiding it. Yeah, I suppose. But the fact yeah. that you can detach yourself and then what you're saying about like sketching when you're in hospital, like obviously you found that as a form of escapism. And how amazing is it that you let your, you know, escapism then become your career? Yeah, I think that's that's a bit of a mad thing. And I think that in a way people are like, people assume that like you regret all those years of your life that you lost. But I'm like, they changed me as a person and unless someone's going to invent a time machine I can't I can't undo them so I might as well make peace with that fact that that happened mm. and I lost that time in my life but I wouldn't be the same person I am now if it hadn't happened mm. for good or for bad mm. I wouldn't be so I might as well make peace with the fact yeah that happened and it was horrible but you are who yeah, you are because, because of, it. of it yeah okay and what was the response like online when you posted that picture? You, you, it was to do with um, mental health and the psychiatric nurses striking and you yeah. posted a picture of yourself when you were in... Very unwell, yeah. yeah. I think I kind of was wary of doing it first, not for people's reactions, but I, I was wary of putting a photo up of me that unwell, more for if anyone else saw that and that makes me... Like anyone else who's... Mm. got an eating disorder, saw that I was a bit worried because I do look quite unwell in the photo. So I tend, like, I wouldn't talk about, like, what I weighed or when I got, when I was really thin because I think it triggers off other people and I wouldn't want to do that to somebody. Um, But yeah, the response, I was surprised at the response. I, first of all, I thought it'd just go up and, like, no one, just, like, people who know me would see it because I didn't think... 
first of all, I don't think you'd really recognise me halfway in the no. photo, except I still have the same weird button nose. But, and a lovely um, smile. <laughs> well. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think it was, it surprised me, the response. Um, yeah, I got a little sad, I think. Like, not sad in a, sad in a happy, each ever happy yeah. cry. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, just yeah. weird. It was kind of overwhelming. Yeah. that. Yeah. It, so it, I, I love how Instagram, I know, like, it can be horrendous, but it, the, the best of Instagram is this kind of community that people find. Yeah. And especially with women, there is this kind of support network and to put yourself out there in your most vulnerable that, you know, I can't even imagine. It was I, very, it was very brave of you. And I guess it's, it's maybe it still seems brave from the outside, but it was such a huge part of my life that it's just like, yeah, putting it's up a, f- yeah. a flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so strange. And also, I suppose I have a weird detachment of, like, it's almost like talking about someone else. Like, it's such a different, I'm such a different person. Yeah. Um. So, in a weird way, it's almost like it's not a photo of me, even though it was. <laughs> I don't know if that is making any yeah, sense to absolutely. anyone. But like, yeah, absolutely. Well, you'd it's, even it's think strange. that when you put up a photo of you when uh, you know, when, when you're 17, you are a different yeah. person now to 20 years ago, you know. And so... How do you protect yourself then, you know, mentally, if you find yourself getting overwhelmed? Is it that you just kind of retreat to your forest or... (laughs) (laughs) My cave in the mountains, like... um, I think I do. I think that's part of why I'm quite... quite, I know you think you thought I was really shy when you first met me. I think that's part of it. I'm just very... I'm quite reserved and I know know the things that set me off. Mm. And I know, like, if I feel like all the attentions on me at something like I get really panicking mm-hmm. I just don't like that and so I won't put myself in that situation and I know sometimes maybe it comes off like I'm being real stubborn or something but I just I know I don't like that and I know it'll freak me out so I won't do it and I suppose it's the same with social media like I'm I'm comfortable with the things I'm comfortable with and that's what I'll stick to and I'm very much myself on any of my social media and I really I think I just it's really bad to say I don't care what people think, but in not in a nasty way, but there's a I'd rather be myself than do something that went against the grain. I think that would make me panic and worry. Like, mm. I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. The, the great thing about social media is that you have full control, yeah, you know, so you're in full control now, obviously. If your mental state is where it should be, you have full control over what you put up. Yeah. The other side of that is people who are fragile and vulnerable are putting up things yeah, that they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Yeah. You are in a place that you said you're detached from, almost detached. Yeah, from that almost person. detached. Yeah. Not detached in a like unhealthy yeah, way, yeah, but in, yeah. a, in a. I know where I was. So yeah, and yeah. I I can look back on that with a sense of detachment rather than being detached in a non-lucid kind yes, of way. Yeah, yeah, no. um, but yeah, so, and I think... So it's almost said, therapeutic. Yeah, I've made peace with that. And if someone else can learn something from that, then that's yeah. that, that's worth it. And Absolutely. I think I, when I was in hospital, like a lot of the girls I was in hospital with are dead now. Like, let's be honest. Like they, most of them would have had heart attacks. Oh my God. Um, so I think I know how lucky I am to have come out of it and I think when you are in that state and you're in and out of hospital all you see is people relapsing constantly you never see someone who gets out the other side and is totally fine you always see someone who's kind of or they'll be back in two years or something so I think that's that's why I feel like it's important to say like you can get better in a 
completely better way, not in a I'm still kind of half sick and maybe in five years I'll be back in hospital. Like It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You're going to make me cry. Sorry. Like you've come so far. It's, Sorry. It's really unbelievable. Fair play to you. Well, listen, who is the Sarah Murphy woman? Do you design for yourself or do you design for, you know, do you have a muse or say, let's take the Autumn Winter 19 collection. What's the... Theme. So the theme, see, yeah, I get very, my themes are all <laughs> randomly all over the place. So I think um, the new collection, I started off being really, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a collection. And it was all the protagonists in the works of Shakespeare. Hmm. So I know, see my hmm. themes, when you think, when you hear about them, they're, I, get, <laughs> I just get these notions. like. Um, and then I got really fascinated. Um, I started, when I was researching it, then I started looking at um, the royal portraits of that kind of era. And then I just thought it was so funny that they would dress themselves up in all their finery because it was like, obviously there was no photographs. So you got your portrait taken and then it was sent out to prospective suitors to like marry you off. And I was like, that is exactly what we do now on Mm. social media. Just Mm. put on all your good stuff, take a few photos. Um, But that's what they were doing, but they were having like their portrait taken. So I got really fascinated about their clothes and how, how many layers they put on and just covering themselves in jewellery like just to display their wealth kind yeah, of yeah. and I just thought that is hilarious like human nature just doesn't change no, like 500 years not. later exactly. we still do that um, so that was kind of my of meander into like the autumn winter collection yeah um, so lots of jewels lots of layers lots of tall lots and lots of tall I have mm. an affinity for tall mm. um, yeah I think I also have like a strange, I think sometimes my proportions seem odd because I do love to like layer up clothes yeah. quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I think my themes, when it comes to themes, I um, I swing from one mad idea to another. But I think, I hope, well, hopefully they end up being kind of wearable in the end, even though they come from this kind of slightly mad yeah, place yeah, at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, but you always kind of have, so you must have, like, is it yourself? Do you? I kind of have... No, I think I have like a, I have a person in mind, um, but it's like an imaginary person. Mm. This is going to make me sound like I see imaginary <laughs> people. I have like, it's an imaginary person in my head that I do design for. So it's not, I suppose it's an amalgamation of people yeah. that I know and yeah. that I know would wear the clothes and it's aspects of all their lives rolled into one. And it's just this imaginary woman in my head. Yeah. That sounds absolutely like I see <laughs> dead does. people or something. <laughs> Like she doesn't speak to me or anything like that. <laughs> what did she tell you to do? Yeah, she didn't tell me to do anything. <laughs> um, no, I th- I, it's just so interesting because obviously there is, um, like, you can see kind of the historical references in your clothes. You can see the that, that they're so considered and, you know, your love of iron knits and your love for tall and stuff. So... They're romantic. I think they're very romantic, your clothes. Yeah, I've, yeah that, uh, people always say they're kind of romantic. They're like modern feminine kind yeah. of it would be a lot. I find it hard to describe yeah, my own clothes, yeah, yeah. but I I listen to what other people say and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's kind of <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I think once you, when you're finished a collection, I get like a feeling and then I know it's right. Yeah. And if I haven't got that feeling, I'll keep going with the samples until it's at that point where I get that feeling where I'm like, no, that that's it. That's right. Now I can stop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would find it hard to describe in who it is or um, even when people ask me to describe my aesthetic, I'm like, well, I'm not really I know. sure. Yeah, like it's, it's a from season to season, yeah, it's yeah. different. Yeah. And and personally then, do you have like, um, what designers do you love? 
I have the craziest, like, eclectic mix. I have an obsession with Dalthoza. Like, mm. oh my absolutely <gasps> have this weird, weird obsession with them. Um, I think I just love the colours and the I do co- love the, the combinations. Yeah, the and the embellishments that are on it, but it's not it's not gone down the road of Chanel where it's maybe kind of getting a bit too old. It's mm-hmm. quite modern and forward looking rather than some of them. Like, I do appreciate that. Like, like I love what is it Maria Grazia Churi mm-hmm. does with Dior now. Like, it, it looks back at the past, but it's still quite modern. Yeah. And she kind of, I think she's really able to speak to a modern woman in her collections. Um, so I really admire that. But I think I prefer brands that are, they have, they know their heritage, they know where they've come from, but they're looking forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, rather than being stuck in, as so their what about like Erdem? Love Erdem, yeah. love the really heavy brocades yeah. that they were so, doing. You know, he's so historical in his yeah. references. and But yet it's still modern. Yeah, yeah, It doesn't yeah. look old. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And tell me, would you like to take Sarah Murphy internationally or where do you see the brand going in the next kind of five years? I think I would. I think um, I have maybe one or two more in Ireland that I have in mind. And then after that, I think you saturate the market. We're very, very small. Mm. So I think I would. I certainly wouldn't be touching Britain at the moment like no. with barge ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I I think I really have this idea of Denmark in my head. Yeah, yes. nice. Um, I just think it would sit well there. Yeah. I think Paris is quite hard to break into. I think Denmark is more is close to us. It's their their population, their seasons are very similar to ours, so I think it would work well there. Um, so yeah, we might be seeing you in Copenhagen Fashion Week soon. We'll see about Watch that. the space. <laughs> thanks so much, Sarah. I absolutely loved our chat. Okay, thanks. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify.